Hey, it's George and Jess. Your journey of self-discovery starts here. All right, we're back with another episode of Men and Sobriety. I've brought this up before, but every time I post one of these, it just, the downloads go bananas. And I figured out we've obviously found a group of people and it's not, uh, it's not uncommon right now because of the sober curious movement, but a lot of guys specifically in our case are thinking about stopping drinking and how do you do that? Right. And, uh, for obviously with podcasting now, they can find a spot where they can download and just put their earbuds in like everybody else and just listen to two guys who don't drink talk about it. And you and I are kind of different in the sense that I never really got to that rock bottom point. I just decided to stop drinking. And you really got to a point where you, where you actually made a decision and went out and sought help. I, yeah, I, I really did. Um, I had to, in order to get life back to, sure. to, to a normal reality. Right. Real quick before we, we get any further, cause I know we're going to, we're just going to start talking here, but uh, joining us today, it is Garrett Steinberg, and you and I have worked together on various events, fundraising here around uh, the Mankato area, and briefly describe to people what you do for an occupation. I will do that, as I see the wonderful picture of <laughs> Sir Elton John behind you. I'm a huge fan. You know I am. I know that you are. Um, I'm a piano player. I, uh, I, I'm at two churches, Christ the King Lutheran Church and the St. Thomas More Catholic Newman Center on the campus of the beautiful Mankato State, Minnesota State University, Mankato. Yes. Um, I, I do church music. I also uh, have an Elton John tribute show that uh, is with my band. I have a wedding band. Uh, we're starting an ABBA tribute that's coming up. Um, and I also am a woodworker. I have a woodworking business that I kind of started after I was done with my um, education in piano. Uh, I know that they're two different things, but it's all art. Sure. You know, it's all design. Well, it's you all... and I understand that creative people have to find creative outlets. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a fine arts outlet. It is. Uh, piano is a fine arts. I do watercolor painting. That's a fine art. You know, I, I, I just find myself immersed in that, you know, and I can kind of have peace with that. So I, I, I'm, that's kind of what I'm doing, you know, music and let's just say I'm an artist. You are, there's not even a question and you're, and you're darn good at it. Thanks George. I, I have to, I, so we'll just, we'll just start from the get go here. How old were you when you started drinking? I started drinking when I was 21 because it was legal. Right. I did not drink in high school. I was against drinking. Uh, I, you know, I didn't feel that I was better than anyone else for not drinking. I just, I just didn't drink. My parents instilled into me that, you know, I mean, I think you and I grew up in the same, in the same type of home environment. Yeah. My man, my dad, my father was a man of deep rooted faith and he did not believe that alcohol had any place in the home. It was just that simple. And like you, I got out of the home <laughs> and as a young man, I went out and did my thing. And that's when I began to drink. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's sort of, that's sort of what happened for me. You know, sure. I'm 21, uh, pl playing in MSU jazz combos and, you know, you play in a couple clubs and a couple different bands and okay. Drinking is, is fun. Wow. Look yeah. at this. This is a whole new world. I was right. like, wow, you don't need to go to Valley fair. You can just go to downtown Mankato. Everything's fun down there. Right. Um, and 
from there, I started to realize that this is really fun. Right. This is like really fun. This is awesome. And um, I made a statement to my mom. It was later into my drinking career that I said to her, why did you just have one glass of wine? That, that's kind of dumb, you know? And she said, well, I just wanted one glass of wine. And I said, well, that's not the point of drinking. And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, the point of drinking is to get a buzz. Right. And, and she was like, that, is con- that concerns me a little right. bit. <laughs> right. Well, that's like when I tell, when I offer in the past, even before I completely stopped drinking, I would occasionally have a non-alcoholic beer. And if I would offer somebody one and they would say to me, well, what's the point? I would think to myself right away, you probably need to sit down and do some self-evaluation, right? I would say that, yeah, that's, that's so, what I would, I mean, yeah, that's what I would say. Right, what's the I'm point like, of going to the bar to have a diet right, Coke? Right. I'm not going to do that yes. when I was drinking. Right. There's no way, shape or form I would go in unless I was driving my car and right. I had to get home right. safely and not get into an accident or right. something that I would be drinking pop or coke or what have you you know so your your mom notices that that that's probably not the response she was looking for yeah but that, at that time you were just too young to really take any solid I advice was, yeah i was too young to take any advice but i i did hit once my drinking career started i hit it off hard though i uh you know i i'm predisposed already to anxiety and ocd uh, and so that was sort of there my whole life, kind of just, you know, in the corner, but then I started drinking and then I, then that got way worse. You did know? you find that that helped you with your anxiety or you thought it, it, did? it went away and then yeah. it came back and was way worse the next day with yeah. a hangover, uh, you know, and then I didn't know what, why, why was I so worried or why was that? Well, oh, maybe it's because you had, uh, three pitchers of beer last night right. and, uh, side of cheese curds. You know, and yeah. you're not exercising or no. whatever. You know, you're not treating your body the way it should be treated. That's a 100 percent. Yeah. So you that continued through your 20s. 21 until I I drank from 2012 until 2021. So about nine years. Nine years. About nine years. Wow. And you know, I I drank in my music situations. Um, I played on a cruise ship. I drank there. You know, everything that I kind of did always had a drinking component involved, whether I sure. wanted to intend it or not. Did you find that it evolved beyond just events and weekends and it became a daily thing? It never became a daily thing because, um, uh, I, you know, I put myself through the ringer too much, you know, on Friday and Saturday and Wednesday nights right. that, or Thursday, whatever, you know, three, I would probably go out three or four nights a week and, and leave no prisoners behind. Right. <laughs> so it was foot on the gas, 100 miles an hour. Once you got started, basically. Yeah. Yeah. One of my friends that's in my band, Logan, uh, he always says, you know, I commend you. You gave it your best effort. You 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 tried the hardest you possibly can to be a drinker and to be a good normal drinker, but you know you just had to be done. Right. And right. I he says it way better than how I just said it. And right. every time he says it, I'm like Logan, that's spot on. Right, right, right. You know. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it. That's what it was. I you know, I wouldn't drive anymore because I had a DWI in 2013, so I wouldn't drive after that, you know. Um, 
And that was really two years into my drinking career. Oh, right. wow, you had a DWI two years into your drinking career. Maybe that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't a problem. Not, not in your mind. Not anyways. in my mind. Right. In my yeah. parents' mind. I mean, my dad said to me, it's not a matter of if you get a DWI, it's when. And th- that this is was, the truth. This was really right at the beginning of my drinking career, but I had I was in such a, you know, like, wow, this is so cool. You know, drinking is awesome. It makes you feel different. It, it, my piano playing's a little better, even though it wasn't. Right, right. So th- was it the... Uh what you felt was uh, alleviating some of your anxiety and making you a little bit more social and perhaps did it, did it just make you feel like you were a different person? Well, you know, it made me, what it did is, is that at first it, I, I suppose that at first, you know, gave me a euphoria and then I kept trying to refine that, you know, I, it, in general, I was a social person to begin with. And today I feel like I'm back to that social person right. that I was before, you know, I'm not, you know, I like to go make a joke or have a good time or laugh or say, hey, that's cool. Or look, yeah. at, look at that uh, nice decoration in your cabinet there, George. That's really cool. Where'd sure. you get it? Right. You know, um, so I'm happy with life. But but when I was drinking, it seemed that the only time I could choose my emotions to be happy with life was when I was drinking. So what, So that time that I'd be at the bar, okay, I can now decide to finally be happy. Or I can now, okay, I'm mad about something, so I'm going to be mad now and think about how I can, you know, handle this situation and, and let it fester and ruminate and then be done drinking and then solve that problem tomorrow and then end up the next day having a hangover and never dealing with it. Right. You know, and just drinking just kicks these things further down the road. And then by the next time you think you're going to deal with something or whatever, you're back at the bar again. Right. You know. Well, it's it really does... Uh tend to lead to procrastination when it comes to dealing with anything, doesn't it? It t- it wastes a lot of time. Yeah. A lot of time. It does. Yeah. So you were, so you were about 30 then when you decided, you know what? Enough of is enough is enough. Do you, do you remember, let me ask you this during the pandemic, do you feel like your drinking accelerated? Mm, I don't, I don't think so because I was a bar drinker. Sure. I, I love drinking in the bar. Once once I got back out to the bar, it probably accelerated. So you never you were never an individual that would go home at night and then just I ap- thought and then drink at night at home. I thought that was stupid. I right. thought that that was for the birds. I thought that if you were going to be a real drinker, you drank in the bar under the <laughs> neon lights. You had the jukebox going, right. gambling's right there. I mean, you had all the fun things. I said that to my mom and my mom and dad and said, well, I'll put a gambling box in our house and you can come drink here and pay me right. all your money that you're going to spend up at the bar. <laughs> and, I, then, and then people wonder why our forefathers, our founding fathers, called those places dens of iniquity. <laughs> That's right? true. That's exactly what, what they were. They understood the gambling, the drinking, it, all of it. It never really, you know, I probably should have just gave all that money to my parents. If you think about <laughs> it, right? I you know. It's just crazy when you start adding that stuff up. It's just bonkers. Mm-hmm. It is. And it adds up fast. Yeah. You know, and, but yeah, as far as the pandemic goes, I, I mean, I did my, you know, you watched at my virtual piano bar. We loved them. Which Jess, Jess and I never missed any of them. We I were always them. I always had that going a couple times, and then I would take an extended break to go fill up my. I think at that point it was vodka, diet Mountain Dew, or whatever. I, it, that's exactly what it was because I remember a couple of nights watching you get up to go refill your drink, and that was it. 
You you would disappear, and like an hour later, Jess and I'd be sitting there staring at this live feed, going, "Where's Garrett? He's done. <laughs> yeah. He's done for. That's it." Because <laughs> you'd be like, "More Elton John when I come back," and then there was never. That was it. That was just the end of it. I sometimes see those videos come up on my Facebook because I would play background music when I would take a break. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And um, they get flagged by Sony because, you know, I ha- I would have my Spotify playing in the background. And sure. like, oh, S- Sony, Sony just put a claim on your video because you had uh, Candle in the Wind playing or whatever, sure. you know. Um, but yeah, you know, pandemic, I it didn't, you know, I, it actually made me sad that I couldn't go to the bar, though, really. Yeah. And I, I was... And as pathetic and as sad as it as it is, I was really excited for the bars to get back open. Sure, there was you a know, lot of people that were, you know, to go. I and when they opened the patio options only, I was there right away. Yeah, you know, right with bells on. Right. I mean, if that was your happy spot, right, your mm-hmm. happy place, the patio, I was there. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. It, Basically, you were just waiting to get. So, did so? What was it like to then to just drink at home? Because during the pandemic, there was a while there where there was no patios, there was nothing. Well, I had power tools in my garage, <laughs> and I had. I know that sounds bad with no. drinking. I had power tools in my garage in a workshop, and so you know there'd be nights I'd be out there listening to music and kind of tinkering in the garage. Sure, you know, and it, it was. It was pretty boring. I, I I was always entertained by going to the bar, right? You know, so for that for that little time of the closed bars, I just kind of uh, held on tight so, and waited for the pandemic to be over right. to the, see what what's new, what's going to be the new reality, really. Right. The interesting thing talking to you is so many guys I've talked to in the past were the kind of the opposite, where they would not drink a lot in public, but when they would go home at night and their kids would go to bed, they would have an hour and a half or two hours power of hour. just, yeah, just pounding drinks to, so they could unwind what they felt like was unwind and then just go to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And often that would lead to not being an hour and a half or two hours, but they would be up till midnight or 1am. And that, and that's when it started to really take over. And it was just constantly happy hours every single night whether it be at home or wherever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you were not, you were not somebody who drank every day. No. Yeah. No, I, 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 when I played piano on the cruise ship, I was there for a month and I drank every day minus two days. Sure. But right. you know, again, that that's a heavy drinking environment. Right. You know? Right. And, well, know. I tell people that, I mean, just because you don't drink every day doesn't mean that you don't have a problem. Yeah. Right. Correct. You know, yeah. and I, I certainly, yeah, I did, like I said, I didn't drink every day, but when right. I would go out and drink, well, you know, I, I would probably come back to the average of three to four times a week, but I would go out and drink and have fun and, you know, then have to have the Thursday to reset my life, you know, and, uh, come back to reality after feeling so terrible. At what moment did you just say enough is enough? Where was that defining moment for you when you stopped and you said, I'm, I'm just not doing this anymore? There were a handful of them. Um, there were many of those moments. Had you tried to stop before? Mm-hmm. I tried to do quit lit and do all that kind of stuff. Once I tried to do quit lit in 2018. What is quit lit? 
quit quitting alcohol literature, you know, like okay. self-help, you know. Gotcha. Uh, okay, gotcha. Annie Grace, she has the sure. this naked mind. I read that. Um I tried to do that on my own a 30-day experiment experiment for for not drinking, you know, and it, they said, "Well, 30 days you can reset your behavior from drinking and um that didn't work. It was too hard." I you know, so there was there was many different times throughout those last few years of of drinking where it's like, okay, I'm going to stop now. I'm going to stop now. I'm going to be done now. I'm going to be done now. Were, and it never happened. Were people close to you aware that you were trying? Yeah, I would always, you know, tell my parents um, or my wife, like, okay, I'm going to be done drinking, you know, or I'd tell people in my band, um, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm going to stop drinking for 21 days. 10 days later, I'm drinking. New Year's resolution, I'm going to stop drinking. 15 days later, I'm drinking at the bar. Sure. You know, it did, it just never stuck. Yeah. You know. So what did it take for you to make that decision and take the steps, which we'll get into here, but what, what, what was there, was there a defining moment or did you just make up in your mind? I'm done. There was, there was, there was many moments that compiled into one. Ultimately I got really sick one day. Um, and I, you know, I, as much as it sounds weird that I would call my parents or whatever, I, I would call them because it's like, what's happening to me? Why is this going on? I don't know what's going on with my life. Yeah. Why, why am I, why am I sick? Why can't I stop drinking? Why can't I, uh, live a normal life? Why does Friday night come and I'm like on edge and have to go to the bar, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, the defining moment was, is that, uh, I kept having these same things that what is the definition of insanity? Trying to repeat the same thing, expecting different results. Yes. So how many times did I have to have these things happen? And eventually it, it I, you know, eventually I, I, uh, I did three attempts of going to treatment, outpatient treatment. I canceled two of them, uh, in like three years. Cause I was like, okay, no, I, I, I think I got things under control. And finally I was, I had enough, you know, and I called Hazelden and I said, I need to do outpatient treatment or I need to do treatment of some sort. Sure. And then they assessed me to do outpatient treatment. And even that I was going to quit. Right. I was in there and I left. I quit the first day that I was in it. In Hazelden. In Hazelden. I, I told myself. Which is one of the best rehab clinics in, in the country. Exactly. And it was on virtual, but, um, so I, it was a nine, it was June, it started June 1st, 2021. Um, and it was a, uh, nine 30 till 1230 program. So at nine 30, I went in, you know, and I'm like, oh, what is this? this is a virtual, you know, I hate virtual. I hate yeah. zoom. I hate all that crap. <laughs> and so I'm in this, you know, I'm like, I don't relate. I don't relate. And so at 10.30 when we took a break, I just left the Hazleton meeting and I went and went about my day and then I got a call back and said, I got a call back from my counselor, uh, Scott R. Uh, at Hazleton. He called me and said, hey man, I didn't see you in your group. I didn't see you back in group. What's going on? Well, and my answer was, well, I, I really don't think I have a drinking problem. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I think I need to just work on my mental health. That, that's really where I'm at. And he said, that's BS. Why are you even bothering wasting your time doing a chemical assessment with Hazelton 
and you you get into treatment and then you say that you don't need to do, be here. That's BS. You need to be here. Right. You know, he said more colorful words. Yeah, I'm keeping sure. this clean. There was F words. You know yeah. what I mean? And he, he wasn't yelling at me. You know, I shouldn't say that. He, you know, it's not like he was. It wasn't the football coach at halftime saying, you suck, you're bad, you know, this and that. Right. It, it was like, okay, well, why did you even come here in the first place if you're just going to quit? We assessed you to say that you have an alcohol use disorder, and that's the clinical definition of being an alcoholic. Do you credit him with being that proverbial foot in your ass? <laughs> I, or, or? <laughs> I, I would say, yeah, I would say I would say he could be one of them. Okay. My uncle could be another one of well, them. Who's, we, we need these guys, though, yeah, right? Yeah, we need, need these guys. Yeah, we do. I, I mean, I know I needed it when I was younger, too. There was times when I needed that. I, my uncle, this he's been sober for 43 years on my mom's side of the family, and he is a he he's been the could he, we could say he's been the proverbial foot in my ass yeah, a couple well. of times he he's a <laughs> he's a retired college football player and, sure. but big guy you know and i here's a here's a little side story i one night here here's how crazy this can get okay uh 2016 june i went to the american legion uh my favorite bar that i would go to and went up there for you know, for drinks and was planning to eat dinner. Well, I didn't eat dinner. I just had drinks. You know, it was a Monday night in the summer. So I'm just going to have drinks. I rode my bike up there because you can't drink and drive because driving a car is not safe. Right. right. It's it's illegal. Right. So I drove my bike up there instead and I got <laughs> which done. Which is not safe either. Which is probably that, not safe. No. You know, and after about 15, I don't know how many drinks I had. I know that I had a lot. I rode my bike home, crashed my bike, scarred up my face, all that kind of stuff. My meet my parents at the door at one o'clock in the morning. I can't believe I'm admitting all this stuff publicly, but I'm saying this because no, you guys, can move on. Yes. Right. You can yes. move on from this. And, and so then I called my uncle the next day who's been, who was sober at that time for 35, let's just say four decades. Yeah. Just about, I called him and, and later on he told me a couple, you know, two years ago, I said, so what did you think when I called you? about falling off my bike. Did you think I was an alcoholic or alcoholic problem? He said, what the hell did you think? What did you think you were? You called me on a, on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm in the middle of Nashville airport trying right. to board a plane. And you're asking me if, if, if you have an alcohol problem after falling off your bike on a Monday night. I right. think we have an alcohol problem here. <laughs> I think we can say that safely that that person... If you saw your neighbor do that, or if you saw someone else, I couldn't diagnose myself with an alcohol problem. Right. You know, um, because it kept lying to me. Sure. And saying, come back, you know, it's fun to drink. It's fun to be around people, not in reality. Right. I mean, it's just a stupid thing. You know, I look back from it now. I'm just really thankful to be out of it. And I'm, you know, so anyways, I was in treatment, did all that kind of stuff. And, and I, it, while I was in treatment, I was still drinking. Wow. You know, I still would go out and drink a little bit. and Because this was the virtual. This was the virtual, yeah. three hours a day, Monday through Thursday. And so I, there was a couple times that I had some gigs, you know, and there was beer at gigs. And it's like, I didn't even, it, it kind of just happened automatically. I didn't like plan to drink. I didn't, you know, it just was like, okay, I have an alcohol problem, right? And so there was drinks and I would drink. Uh, and finally, I had my last drink on July 5th, 2021, uh, and surrendered to saying that I can't safely drink. I'm powerless over alcohol, and I was a, I plugged into AA. Day after 4th of July. Were you a little bit hungover? Day after 4th of July, July 5th. So then July 6th, I was really hungover. Yeah. 
I called my treatment counselor again. I called, you know, I called some sober. At that point, I just, you know, my sober network was very small. That's was, that's the big struggle for a lot of people initially. Uh, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to that. But I think that you and I both know that your world and your, 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 your community changes a little bit. I mean, not that you're trying to distance yourself from people, but it's just the nature of the beast is you had people probably in your life that were just drinking buddies. Pretty right? much. Pretty much, Sometime, yeah. I think we all had them, yeah. right? We all have. And it's just not that you're trying to forget about them, but if that's all you did together, you're fine. You're not going to spend as much time together anymore. Well, and you, you think that everyone drinks. You know? Right. You, you think, you know, okay, my parents maybe don't drink on a Tuesday night. They're watching KEYC news at 10 o'clock at night. You know, that's apparently what normal people do, but I can't relate to that anymore because right. I was always so used to being in the bar right? on, on a given night. Not, again, not every night, but enough that it was a dysfunctional lifestyle. Sure. You know, I remember looking at my neighbor putting her dog out at 1030 on a Tuesday night and I, you know, I was pensive wishing I was uh, I think I was at the bar or what or wasn't at the bar that that night and I just observed that and I was like okay normal people put their dogs out at right at 10 30 at night they're right. not at the bar until get, one in the morning getting ready to go to bed so they get up early so they oh. can get to work and do things that normal people do <laughs> right so you got to that point July 5th 2021 21 yep July 6th was your first day alcohol-free. Correct. July 6th was I surrendered and just said, this is it. I'm going, plugging back into treatment. I made Was, a, was it back into virtual treatment? Yeah. I, okay. And I, I was in virtual treatment the whole time, you okay. know, but then of course there was a couple of days off because of the 4th of July and, you know, right. and that's a big drinking holiday. And I, how, how do I navigate that sober? Hazelton says this. They said this in my, well, I shouldn't, I'm, I'm not speaking on behalf of Hazelton, but my counselor in our outpatient group said, if you don't work the steps of AA, if you don't have a sponsor and you don't go to meetings, you won't stay sober. That's what that, so right. that I learned that there and that's, that's worked for me. Sure. Well, I, I've said that. I, I tell all the guys who have taken whatever path they have to stop drinking if it works for you, go with it mm-hmm. because everybody's different, right? Yep. Because there's these, you know, and I talk about this with everybody that comes in here, but they're on this spectrum. There's the guy that drinks one or two beers a month at, you know, whatever, or he'll have a glass of wine when he goes out for dinner, this or that. And then in, in between there, that in the middle of that spectrum is the guys that drink probably more than they should, but they don't feel like they've developed a problem yet. And then on the far end, it's the, you know, the guys that just drink all the time, they're, mm-hmm. they're physically addicted to it. Yep. Right. And, uh, a lot of the gray area guys don't know where they're at. And a lot of them have drinking problems. Right. And, and I thought to myself, I was kind of like, I was like, I don't want to get, I don't want to go down that road. Having observed enough of what it had done to guys in the industry I was in, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I, that's destroying more lives than any other drug I've seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it was crazy to see it, you know? And I just, but for some reason, and you and I talked a little bit about this before we started recording, everybody's just made up different. Genetically predispositioned to either it's going to do something for you it's, and you're going to struggle to get away from it. And then there's the groups of people that can just set it down and be like, that's enough. Take it or leave it. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I, I would definitely say you're right. And one thing that we learned in treatment too was, is that people are indeed genetically predisposed, you know, for yeah. someone like me, uh, one drink to them like me could be, could, could actually indeed make simu- stimulation to your brain, such as doing cocaine or other sure. drugs, you know, right. uh, they, they've done brain studies where that, that shows in your brain that alcohol does this for certain people. Yeah. You know, and I, I would probably have considered myself somewhere on the edge of that gray area drinker too, because, you know, like everyone says, well, I don't drink every day. You know, like the best thing that you could ever say is that I'm not an alcoholic because I don't drink every day. Well, is your life better since you started drinking? Right. When you started drinking, do you drink more today than you start when you were, you know, five years ago when you started drinking, you know, right. um, not and not to mention what it's doing to your body. It's literally you're pu- you're pouring poison into your body. You're pouring. There's poison there is into your no body. benefit. There's none. If, if when people tell you a glass of wine here, you can get all the benefits from a handful of blueberries. There is no benefit from pouring alcohol in your body. You're pretty much just like you're you just said. You're putting poison. a poison into yes. your body. Yeah, and yep. that's a, that's a hard pill for people to swallow. When when somebody can admit that to me. They're like, yeah, but I, I like to have a good time and it's my drug of choice. I'm like, then good for you. But that it just the fact that you can admit that, it means that you understand it. Mm-hmm. Because people that try to defend it are the ones that are heading down the wrong road. I think I think you're right. Yeah, it's crazy to I, watch. I think you're right. You know, and it, it it all comes back to reality. Yeah. You know, what what is reality? You know, why why do we need to pour liquor onto it right. you know i mean yeah reality does suck you know we there's a lot of things in life we don't have control over right when you mentioned like cocaine i watch again being in broadcast for all my years I, I that was a steady drug for a lot of my friends and people too and people who have never done cocaine which i hope there's a lot of you <laughs> but i can tell you i always tell them this imagine the best you've ever felt the most euphoric feeling you've felt in your life multiply that by about 10 and then ride that for about 30 minutes. That's, That's what it's like to do cocaine. Wow. And, and when people do that, there was, this, there was a group of us that could see, say in our minds, this isn't going to end well because this is not reality. And then there was the guys, honestly, who were like, oh, I want more of that because they just want to feel like that. Mm-hmm. They want to feel that sense of uh like being the social butterfly and and connected with everybody and they're funnier and they're better looking and all of a sudden it's it just takes over and those Mm -hmm. guys don't want to come back to reality well you know i'm looking at elton john up there oh great story i love his story it's fantastic just like what you said you know he put a gram of coke up his nose every 10 minutes yep yeah booze cocaine all of it and then it, so how do you move on from that? You know? Yeah, that's it. The, I mean, there are some guys and I can't, that's what I can't figure out. And there's gotta be something in neuroscience, right? There's gotta be some explanation where that registers in some people's heads that this doesn't end well, right? It's, it, this is not, I can't continue this because it's just not going to end well. And then there's the people that are just going to ride it as long as they can. And it's an endless I mean, I will well, die. Yeah, I've watched it just suck the life right out of guys, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just it's unbelievable because it's just something that goes on and they're happy for about six months and then they're just hooked mm-hmm. and then it gets into their bank account and then they start hiding it from their families. And it always starts with just that little bit on a Friday night to help again 
be part of that social atmosphere. Cocaine is a very dangerous drug. I know. Well, I don't know how I got off on this rant, yeah, but, but it's cocaine and alcohol. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the, it's because of that brain chemistry thing. Yes, you know, the two combined, they were always chasing each other too. Yeah. It's like alcohol. Okay, I got to come back down, so I'll just drink a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Then the cocaine. Okay, I gotta, I'm, I'm down a little bit too far. I want to come back up, and it's just that evil medium, right? Yeah, and they can't, and it doesn't exist. And then they're grinding their teeth, waiting for that next guy to come with the next. I mean, I know the whole game. I would, yeah. I'm glad I only drank. Right, I never right. did. A, I never have done a drug, but I can, I yeah. can, I can understand. Sure, you know just how the chase is with alcohol. Yes, yeah. You know to try to med- me- medicate yourself, right? Yeah, that's what it is. Um, it's like you know, it's like my sponsor Gary. He he he's this AA I I genius, but. You know, he said he's like 71 or something like that. But Gary said, you know, none of my friends that were drinking that I drank with when I, he was, he got sober when he was there. None of his friends that drank, they either quit or they're dead. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's, yep. that's the game. Yeah. You know, if you, if you're going to, if you're going to go out and drink like I was drinking, I probably wouldn't have lived to be 60. I can tell you this. Or 50. The, I don't know. The guys that I know that really hit it hard that were consistent drinkers throughout my broadcast career, not one of them made it to 70. That's it's scary. Just not, it's that just, is it scary. just can't happen. No, well, your heart and everything. And people, when you look at yourself, and you notice this, I could tell just by looking at you right now, but when somebody sobers up, after they get a few months, they start. you start to see it, but you take somebody in a, in a side-by-side from one year of being sober, one year, you're a different person. Mm-hmm. And if, and I tell people, if you just imagine what that, your skin and all, your eyes and everything else, just imagine how the your insides have improved. You know, you can't see that, right? But your liver, your kidneys, your mind, everything else, all of that is just repairing itself. I had that uh, case in point. I had high liver enzymes, uh, 27 or 8 on my you know, physical, I had, it said I had high liver enzymes, uh, high cholesterol, and I quit drinking. And this wasn't enough for me to quit. It it made me quit drinking for a couple of days. I poured my beer out and gave some to my neighbors, you know, because you have high liver enzymes. I'm like, okay, so that's pre-cirrhosis basically. Sure. Um, But after quitting drinking, all those numbers have changed. Yeah. I don't have high cholesterol anymore. I don't have high liver enzymes anymore. I'm not on that verge of diabetic, you know, all those numbers are right. bad. You know, when you're drinking that much, you're, yeah, like you said, you know, you're pouring poison into your body. It's crazy. But it was still not enough to quit. No. The the the, the number one, and I'm, I'm going to ask you the same question, what you hear from guys, but when I, because I get a lot of private messages when we post these uh, podcasts, the number one thing I get from guys is, I want to stop, but I don't know if I can because my whole life is centered around it, including I have to drink for my for my occupation, my work. It's part of the social atmosphere and sales or whatever they do, right? I have to do it. And I'm like, and I I tell them, no, you don't. You don't, you do not need to do that. I was under that impression as well, right? For the mm-hmm. last like four or five months of my radio career, even. And then I learned quickly that you don't. And that's just one of those excuses that people are always looking for because you're always going to look for an excuse. Mm-hmm. You want, you, there's got to be a reason. There, it, there's something there besides you just can't quit. 
which mm-hmm. means you need to ask for help and you can, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. That could be the hardest words you have to say. It is. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, I, I, as a piano player, I mean, playing in clubs, I mean, I, that I could, I use that as an excuse. Yeah. Well, I'm a piano player. I, I, I need to drink to be in the piano bar. Well, right. I've done better shows, not drinking way better. 100%. You the know, creative aspect, and I know that you can't block it with alcohol. People no. say, "Oh, let's go do some drugs or this and feel the music." It's like, well, you really can't truly comprehend beauty when your senses are marred, right? You know, I mean, it, it just doesn't work. I was wondering when I went back to shows after three decades of being consuming alcohol at every show I'd ever been to because it was just part of the dynamic, right? if I would still appreciate and be able to sit and listen to a show and not drink. And when I, which you've enjoyed and and I, you know, it's like, because then I thought to myself when I was a teenager, I I fell in love with music. I mean, really fell in love with music Mm. in my early teens and then through my, and I never drank, but I forgot what that was like. Right. And then when I went back, to Las Vegas last May, I had been, you know, approaching that six month mark, maybe a little more than that. And I sat and I listened to those shows. And I was like, man, it's weird because I, now I appreciate it even more. Mm-hmm. And you really, you really hear how great these guys are. And I could sit and listen to it all night long. It's amazing. And it was like, I just forgot. That's all. It, well, that's the weird thing. You know, it's like, it's like what I was saying earlier. Um, you know, this alcohol kind of blinds you, you know, nine years, it just got a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit worse. And then now I'm out of, you know, now I'm into a sober life, you know, now I'm feeling like I'm back to when I was maybe 16, 17, 18, 20, you know, before I had a drink, you know, okay, life is okay. Those, those trees out there without leaves, you know, it looks pretty nice. I mean, I can look at that, right. You know, you know, you can appreciate some different things. You know, it's yeah. like I'm not I'm not having my head thinking like, oh, what what day am I going to go to the bar this week? What what time is it? Oh, it's almost seven o'clock. I'm going to have a band meeting tonight, and we're yeah. going to have we're going to have a meeting and drink and yep. shut the bar down. I know. And the, but there's so much simple things in life that are just you know so much better without you drinking. S- everything is. It's just a matter of learning. You almost have it's. It, I equate it to this. When you stop drinking for one year, that first year, you will go through a first of everything all over again. Mm-hmm. You'll have your first St. Patrick's Day. You'll have your first 4th of July. You'll have your first Labor Day kids going back to school. The NFL season. I love football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have your first holidays. All of it. Because yeah. this will be the first time you're doing it without alcohol that you remember. And, and it, it's a it, weird, weird experience. But mm-hmm. then once you work your way through that, it, you 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 understand what you've been missing. There's so much that you've been missing, you know, just normal conversations with family members that might have been, you know, that, that you may have alienated, you know, just so many things kind of come back together, it seems yeah. like, you know. Um, and, and it, you know, that's that's really what I'm, one of my biggest things about, about recovery is being obedient to reality. That's a phrase that I've that I heard from a priest at the Co-Cathedral in Rochester. I love that. I love that. Being obedient yeah. to reality. Okay, so reality, what is reality? You know, and then we could get into philosophy sure. here, which we're not going to. But, you know, reality is, is we're sitting here, this is life. Okay, we're talking. I can't, what What would pouring a substance on this situation right now do anything to make it better? Right. Really? 
Yeah. You know, really, you know. I know. Uh, yeah, the conversation might go in a different direction. Yeah, we might start playing loud music. But what what in the long term is it going to do for me two days from now? Right. Or five days from now, 10 days from now. Right. Not too much, you know. Um, it just is a, you know, it, it, I always thought that, I remember sitting outside at my house next to the grill and looking at the sunset on a night that I was was not drinking, still in my drinking career, and I was like thinking, oh my gosh, this this moment would be so nice if I could just have a beer. Um, how effed up is that? Yeah, right. Well, you get you don't know any other. That's weird, you know. I right. mean, and so I I would mention that at meetings and stuff, and it's like you know now I can. Now it's kind of nice to just see the sunset you don't need to have a drink to have that you know be a cool sunset the sunset's still cool right whether you have a drink in your hand or not it's cooler without actually i think now right you know because all those drinks would lead to not seeing the sunrise you know so many and it's it's tough in the sense that and you talk about how effed up things are it's messed up that in today's world you always have to seem to justify why you don't drink to a lot of people. And in reality, it should be the other way around. Why are you drinking and effing up your life? Right. Why, are, <laughs> why are you out there drinking in front of freaking minors? Right. You know, you're just training up another generation of alcoholics. Yeah. It's, Hate to say that, but. Right. That's the honest to God truth. And I, that was, a, you know, a, a part. One of, uh, you know, there's always the ripple effect. I tell people this. If, if you want to stop, just drinking and even if again if not everybody has to go to uh to get professional help you can just Correct. set it you can just set it down but if you well, want to yeah if you want to stop you have to do it for yourself mm-hmm. the the benefits that you have with your spouse or your children and the, those relationships and friends and all of the other things are just ripple effect of you have to do this for you otherwise you won't do it it's that simple I agree right? 100%. Yeah, so it's like, I and everybody talks about, when I hear somebody say that to me, because I was kind of like that, you know, I say, well, I should stop. You know, I think about my kids and this and that. Well, like, that's great, but don't, it, that's not going to keep you away from it. You have to do it for you. Mm-hmm. And then all of that will just be benefit of, right? Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It really is. And I, I said this to Tyson, because we were in the bar atmosphere working together for so long, but you know, at the end of the night, and you can relate to this, you like to drink when you were out. Yeah. But when they hit the lights and they turn them on and that's an uneasy feeling and you don't like that, that speaks volumes about booze. And you, the great thing about being a, living a sober life is you embrace that. Mm-hmm. Because, again, what you said, it's reality. It's reality. Embrace reality and look at the beautiful thing that is there. The lights are on. The lights are on and let it let the light shine. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's weird. One of the things I do now is I'm in bed shortly after I put my daughter to bed at night, and that's usually a little after nine o'clock. And you're up early. <laughs> and up at five o'clock yep. in the morning, right? Feeding the birds, right? <laughs> right, right. I got to feed the birds, go to the gym, and I do all these other things. But you feel like a million dollars. I do. I feel, I mean, it's it's just, it's a game changer. And I, yeah. I tell guys, you got you, you got to stick with it for a while. It's not going to be something you're going to feel in 30 days even, Mm-mm. you know? Not unless you, you know, are going to AA meetings and like getting high on life so fast, right. you know? Um you know, my first few months of sobriety, I was 
what they call the pink cloud. I learned about that term in treatment. I'm like, what well, what the heck is that? And you know, but all of a sudden, you know, I just felt happy, relaxed, joyous, um, and on this, you know, just high on life. What's the biggest benefit you've noticed in your life since not drinking? There is a lot of benefits. Um the biggest benefit is I'd say the biggest benefit for me is is uh, I know that this is going to sound cliche because I've already said it, living in reality, but there, I'll let me explain that. Um, the biggest benefit would be really just being present. Yeah. And that's that that's reality. It is. That's living in the moment. You know, it, it life is always going to be hard to worry about the future or what did I do in the past or, but I've been able to live in the moment a little bit more and, and kind of feel in tune with things, you know, like, okay, I'm going to play a, a piece by Chopin on the piano now. Let's just feel that moment and feel those, the, the, the keys press into the piano, you know, or, yeah. or, or let's listen to a, let's listen to a beautiful song by Queen or ABBA or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever you're, whatever you're feeling. But yeah, you know, also being true to yourself because I, you know, when I, when I was born, when my parents had me as a baby, they didn't ever intend for me to go out and be, no one in their right mind is going to ever intend for you to go out and be a bar drinker in your life. I want right. my kid to grow up to be a bar drinker, George. Right. I want them to go sit at the bar on a Tuesday night and close it down when they're 21, 25. That means they've really made it in life. And I'm not saying that people who sit in the bar and drink are, are failures. I'm not saying that by any means. Right. But I failed myself. Yeah. You know, I was only, I was only fooling myself in the bar. Right. And that's the scariest part about it is I kept fooling myself. I kept fooling myself. I kept fooling myself. The insanity, you know, I kept trying to do a different thing, but expecting different results. I mean, like, so what? So I guess, you know, now I, yeah, bad things can happen in my life. Yeah, I could fall down the stairs today carrying a bag of groceries. I don't know. You name it. Right. But today I don't have to drink over it. Today right. I don't have to drink. I don't, today I don't have to drink about an anxiety that I have. Today I don't have to drink. I don't have a desire to drink. Right. I, I you know, and and uh, it's weird. Um, it's weird to move on from that thought. I never thought I could, mind you. I never sure. thought that I could. You know, I thought that okay, I'm a drinker. I may as well just be a drinker. There's nothing else I can do. Uh, how am I going to be social? How am I going to? How am I going to be? Uh, funny? How am I going right. to make people laugh? How am I going to, you know, well, 90% of the people that I interact with weren't in the bar. You know, I'm yeah. around people in other places, right. not just the bar. Right. Uh, so, you know, one of the other things too, and I, I know that in the Rocket Man movie, you know, Elton John had to learn to love himself again, you know, yeah. and, and I had to do that too. I had to, you know, how can, how can you love other people, places and things if you can't treat yourself or love yourself? Yeah. You know, and you're pouring booze down your, you know, I mean, it's just, you're hiding something, you know, what, why am I, why am I going into this drinking situation? Why, why do I have to drink? What, what is this? Why, what's the purpose? Well, it is an addictive stuff. It's a chemical. It, you know, I mean, so I, you know, you're always trying to wish for good times, but sometimes there isn't always just good times, you no. know? And so I, I just, you know, I, I'm thankful that I can live life without drinking because it really, it really distracted me. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, as much I wasn't a mean drunk. I wasn't. A, I was a funny drunk. Sure. I cracked a lot of jokes. I did a lot of. You know, I mean, it seems like I was so good at quick coming up with quick jokes or whatever. <laughs> right. But you know, it just. I was a happy drunk, um, a social drinker, and you know, but just stopped working. I think a lot of people are. They, they find it difficult to admit that there's something wrong because the booze culture in this country, not only is it legal, but it is glamorized. So it's the one drug that everybody can consume where it's socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And it's all right to do that. When it's in re- legal. When in reality, it's no different than any of the other drugs that I encountered throughout my career. No. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just the one that was legal and it was every bit as dangerous, if not more. Right. And I watched it over and over again, destroy guys mm-hmm. and not just their, their careers, but their, their family life, everything. It just took everything from them. Even if they considered themselves, you know, successful as far as, you know, money, mm-hmm. right. All of that stuff, but it just took them down to nothing on an emotional level. It was just, and I hear from guys, so many guys, I wish I could just stop, but I just don't know how I'd ha- go about doing it. I'm like, you can. You can absolutely, whether it's, you know, the, the, uh, the approach you took. I mean, go t- talk to somebody. There's, these, there's a ton of sober coaches now that are online yeah. that will individually help you. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that turn to their faith, mm. right? And I know that that's a big part of AA. And you're one of the individuals that has embraced occasionally going to meetings, right? I have, yeah. You know, thankfully through faith um, and AA, I'm sober. Uh, it, it, ultimately, my journey went through a confessional in a Catholic church. Sure. You know, and, and uh, the priest said, try going to a meeting, you know. So I'm thinking, what? Okay, what? What? You know, I'm thinking that he'll just say, "Okay, do this. Yeah, you'll be fine." Right. You know. Um, but yeah, I was going to the meeting. You know, I'm meeting other people in recovery. Recovery network is the huge thing. You know, like yes. George, just knowing that you don't drink, just knowing that Jess doesn't drink. You know, like on a Friday night, I can sit and th- okay, George isn't drinking tonight. Even even if I don't want, even if if the thought comes up, what are other people doing? Well, I know there's a lot of people on my sober network. Tyson, George, you know, uh, Jess. All my AA friends, they're not drinking tonight. No. It's a growing movement, too. You know what I mean? Though? Yeah, like it is. You, you, yeah. Have, you can have that thought and think, okay, so there's other people out there. I'm not the only one doing this. Jess and I have brought that up. That it's weird because once you stop drinking and you're no longer part of that culture, you realize that there's this whole other side of society that doesn't drink and they've been there all along. You know. just you just haven't been around them because you've been hanging out with the people that do drink. Mm-hmm. They do normal things. Yeah, people, they, yes. <laughs> they're like what? What? Think of the most normal thing. Okay, I'm gonna go to a fish fry on a right. Friday night in March. You right. know, I mean, there's what are they having to drink there? Um, water, lemonade, and coffee. Okay. Yeah. You wouldn't catch me dead at that when I was drinking. <laughs> Right. Do you still find yourself occasionally getting a craving? Because I, I, I don't, and I've talked to some guys who do, and there's others who just kind of, you know, they, I guess they just don't, they're just, they don't care. You know, 
again, you know, being thankful that I'm an AA and God and all that kind of stuff through the faith journey of the AA program, I don't, you know, I'll have these thoughts, you know, like, oh gosh, yeah, a drink, a drink would be good, but to, because of the way that I think now, the way that I know about my sober network, the recovery tools that I have, I, I the thought can come and I can entertain it maybe for a second and just move on and realize, and play that tape forward and realize that okay, if I start drinking tonight, I'm gonna have to t- I'm gonna have to how many people I'm gonna have to answer to for drinking, just because I want to drink? That's do you, stupid. Do you when you're in a group of people that are drinking, do you find it more difficult? I'm a you know I've. The one thing about that is, is being in entertainment and piano and bars and stuff. Sure. I was playing in the bars before I started to drink. Okay. So, um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go put myself into the bar just for fun. Right. But, but uh, you know, if, if, if we had a band rehearsal, we just got done with a band rehearsal. Let's go to Tav on the F. Let's go have some wings. The band will drink some beers. I'll drink some NA. That's awesome. You know, yeah. I mean, it, uh, I, I know that I can't safely drink because if, you know, the drinking level that they do compared to what I would do, you know, I would close it down at one. They leave at nine to go pick their kids up from dance. Right. I don't. Sure. I stay the night. I close the bar down. (laughs) That's, that's that, that zero to a hundred. Pretty much. (laughs) Right. I know. It's like, I, I stay the night, close the bar down and, uh, yeah, and I, you know, like we played a gig downtown Mankato for it was a fun gig for a, a Christmas party, and it was in the Barmuda Triangle downtown Mankato. Oh that, yes, th- that put me on edge. It didn't. It it it, it wasn't that I wanted to drink. It's just like, oh my gosh, this this is what I used to be. I know. This is what I used to do. That's scary, isn't it? When it's you, when, really scary. When, when you stand back and you can see it. What, Especially you, sober. Yeah, and you can see things that the people who are drinking can't see. Yeah. It's it's, it's a, strange. It is it, really strange to look at that. It's not cool. I know. It's, it's scary it's to me. It's not cool yeah. at all. And they don't realize it because they're caught up in it. Mm-hmm. But, and you know, and the, the scariest part is, is that was me. I know. I know. You know? Yeah, I've been you know, or, or us who are heavy drinkers, you yeah. know, or anyone, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's still fun to do entertainment. And, you know, I, I, I don't think, you know, if people want to drink, you know, I think that's, I think it's just fine if they can drink safely. Sure. I'm not going to say, oh, you can't, that person's alcoholic. They can't drink safely. I don't want to be around them. You know, I, that's not my area. You know, if, 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 you know, if people want to drink, go ahead. I mean, you're only fooling yourself. If if you are truly having a drinking problem. I believe that there are people that have a responsible relationship with alcohol Hmm. there are but there are far more that don't that don't and it's that is a tough a tough conversation to have with yourself it is really tough you know and they don't i mean and because it can it it can change and uproot and your whole life it's it's it i i don't sugarcoat that i'm pretty candid about telling people your life is going to change. The people that you surround yourself with, are, that's, that group is going to change. Mm-hmm. It's just by default, it happens. You're not, you, all week long, if all you're thinking about is getting to Friday and happy hour, that whole mentality is going to go away. 
You're going so that is you have to understand that, that that all of those people that were waiting for you on Fridays and Saturday nights and the mimosas all day Sunday and continue it just into Monday. If you don't drink Monday through Thursday or whatever, and you're just living for the weekends so you can drink and that's your life, you might want to. That's where you might want to take the brakes. Yeah, you might want to pump the brakes and take a look. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a while to really experience how good it gets but you but everything i would tell everybody this worth it there was a point when you were young i don't care how far back you have to go before you started anything whether it's alcohol whether it's any kind of a drug there was a point where you're you were as happy as anything just a regular person. Just because you maybe maybe you were really young and you were out riding the bike and the sun and the wind was blowing through your hair and it was summer vacation, you know? Mm-hmm. But that brought you to a new level of euphoria. And it's still there. You just have to go rediscover it. And you That's can't true. do that with alcohol. You really can't. It's almost it's for me, it was listening to really good music. And I love I'm at a point in my life where I like to not necessarily go to just a a concert that i know that people are just going to want to drink and hoot and holler and go crazy for example a lot of the country concerts that come to town that's all it is it's a drinking i got yeah i got to the point where i was like why am i even here you know Mm -hmm. and i'm i just it wasn't me and then i can go and watch elton john at caesar's palace or i saw the doobie brothers with mike mcdonald with their 50th anniversary tour at uh uh, Zappos out in you know Planet Hollywood. I just I love to just sit and listen to these guys who are and many of them sober as well now, which is remarkable, true. right? I mean, if you That's think true. about that, so many of them have just set it down and they're done, and they're they're producing some of the best stuff they've ever done. And that tells you a lot, right there. Okay, so Elton John did a gram of coke every ten minutes, and he drank booze. I don't, you know. They he said you know martinis were like rocket fuel Literally, the rocket man you yeah. know and okay so Elton John produced forty years of top forty hits still producing hits the guy doesn't drink no he would be dead if he did yes he he'll tell you that yeah but that you know so if if someone that's at the highest you know level of the music scene it doesn't get higher the can guy be is sober the best. yeah how if he can do it then. Then I can do it in Mankato, Minnesota. Right, right, right. We can, we can, we can do it here. We don't need to drink, you know. To be the best, I mean, he, he, I, you can't argue. I mean, to me, he's top five all time per, for sure. Mm-hmm. There's not even a question, right? And then for him, he did that while he was drinking and doing drugs, but then he stopped, and he's is every bit as good, if not better. He'll tell you this is some of the best stuff he's ever done. It is. And he just enjoys it. Right, yep. he's he's out there really connecting with people. It's 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 incredible to watch. All, a lot of those musicians from the seventies are sober. Eric Clapton, and I think even I want to say I think even Jimmy Buffett is. You know the the lead, the, the Margaritaville. Yeah, singer oh, I know. Himself. I saw Jimmy open up for the Eagles. Yeah, not so up, long at, ago. up at the yeah Target, Target Field. Field. Yeah. yeah, I I read somewhere that uh, you know the Margaritaville singer doesn't drink margaritas anymore. You know, <laughs> right? You, well, you look can't. at all, even the rock stars. Yeah. That have sobered up, right? A lot, of, a lot of the country guys too have actually just set it down. It's a growing movement. The sober curious movement, which really began in about 2018, has taken off, and it's just it. If you, I, it's hard for people to understand that. But if you go to like 
California or even parts of the East Coast up in the New England area, drinking has almost taken a back seat to cannabis. Really? Yeah, it's it's strange. And with Gen Z, they don't like it when I call them that, but let's say adults under 30, statistically they're drinking less and less and less, and the movement is going more towards the cannabis side. And that and that's why you're seeing that move that sweep across the country. Minnesota will be, be v- last, right? Yeah. Well, actually, no, we're that's the governor. Here. Yeah, the governor actually made that statement. He, he posted on Twitter, I think, in January that it was time. And I would say it comes with, from the coast. I mean, yeah, it right. just works its way in. And you can you can uh, again abuse anything. I tell people mm-hmm. that. But alcohol was something that got passed down for a couple of generations. And there's a generation now that is understanding where it, where it all heads and they don't want to go down that road. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys are again, giving it up. They're getting into health and fitness and they want to live longer, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and you want better quality of life as you age. Well, you can't live long if you're drinking hard every three or four nights, five Again, nights a week. Right? I, yeah, so many guys I watched. I know that could drink like a bottle of scotch every night. And they were you, nicest guys in the world. You'd never guess that they had. They were never mean drunks. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the guys I worked with, but that it doesn't last long because you don't last long. The game is over. It is. Yeah, you get to a point where you, that's just, you know, and, and I would, not to discourage anybody, but I would tell most if, if you haven't reached that point, don't get there. Mm-hmm. Don't wait for a rock bottom moment. Raise the bottom. Yes, literally. Don't wait. Just if you if it, if it even crosses your mind, that's enough. Well, and like I told you before, George, um, once you start that thought of I think I need to quit. When I started that thought in 2018, like when I truly started it, not because someone told me to, but when right. I truly started to have that thought, you know, like I. I need to do something. This is okay. What do I do? Yeah. Then that's when I was actually more or less felt imprisoned. If, if okay, I drink or I or I don't drink. What yeah. do I do now? If another man confided in you and said, "I think I have a drinking problem. Here's where I'm at. What should I do?" What would you tell him? I would. Here's honestly what I would say, and 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 this is again through going to treatment and and being actively involved in AA I what I would say is is that come with me to a meeting I I want to I want to show you what that's about um I would have never been one to be a meeting proponent person prior to drinking or prior to becoming sober but I'm firm on meetings it's it's helped me it's made me stay sober if I didn't go to meetings I wouldn't be sober I firmly believe so that if I didn't have a sponsor my sponsor Gary I, I if someone if someone did indeed confide in me, I would say, look, I, I go to this meeting here this night, I go to that meeting, sometimes this meeting, this day or whatever. You know, I've gone to every I shouldn't say I've gone to every AA meeting. I've gone to a lot of AA meetings in this town. Right. There's great meetings every day. And and that's what I would that's honestly what I would say. Sure. Because I I well, you and I both know Chris. Chris, yep. Yeah, Shattuck the the sober coach. Yep. He's big. He now he's not an AA guy, right? He's, True, right? It's, There's a lot of people that are not, right, but they're still sober. Yes, I would tell them this: you find something that works for you, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And you're going to, there's no wrong way to, no, be, yeah. no. And you're, you're going to need people to lean on and you're going to find the right people. And but, you know, maybe that, you know, just for me, the AA and Hazelden worked very well yes, for me. Yeah. Um, I know Brady, I, I just chatted with him yo, a couple of weeks ago. He also is just like you did the same thing. He, he went to his doctor, said, I have a problem. He got him referred to somebody who could give him, him an assessment. He went to a treatment facility and he goes to meetings and he yep. just, he just, he, I mean, I think it's random, right? He just went, yep. he gets the chance, but he likes to do that because it's a great, I think, reminder. And it's a great place to just be surrounded with other people. Like-minded. So, yeah. So you're, that you're, you know, you're not alone. Well, it's like our friend Tyson, you right. know, uh, I've, I've ran into him at meetings, you know, we, we, you know, I don't go to a meeting every single day. When I first got sober, I did. Uh, we started a meeting in Eagle Lake on, uh, uh, Thursday nights at the city hall. You yeah. know, it's just, it's not, you know, it's not the, I, I always thought, okay, I'm, it's going to be this sad, you know, I can't drink anymore. It's, it's a lot of fun. There's cool people. Well, they're all people that I used to drink with in the bar. Sure. These are all people that used to be able to hit it hard. Right. And I was hanging out with them in the bar. Right. We all were right. Right. Um, so yeah, the, but yeah, the sober coach thing, I think that I think all of that stuff is good. You know, There's a lot of different ways. It's the vehicle yeah. to stop drinking and get your life back. Yeah, I, I tell them. I mean, you know what, you know what works for you in a lot of different things, mm-hmm. right? And if you're serious about it, because I know that there are some guys. I actually know a pharmacist who works for the Mayo Clinic. One of her jobs is actually dealing with this, and you know, there's they can give you things. And abuse. Which yeah, I don't know I've what. Never, I, it, th- that's if you drink, you get sick. Yeah, I, but there's yeah. So. Naltrexone, which is for cravings, or no, I have no, no idea. not cravings, but uh, it makes. We learned about it in treatment. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. It, but yeah, there's pharmaceuticals out there that certainly help with. That, yeah, and there's know? just, I mean, they they have support. This is not something new, right? They, you're not the only one right. struggling with a drinking problem. You're not the first. You're not the last. There's right. other people doing it. Yeah. And there's a lot of sober people that you would never even know. Right. It's you inc- would never know. It's just, inc- it's incredible. And I think a lot of people, you know, it's a difficult conversation specifically for men to have. I figured that out real quick because mm-hmm. Jess and I, when we started our podcast a little over a year ago, I did notice, you know, because I have, with this, it's all online. I have incredible analytics. I mean, I can literally tell you what device people are listening on and when they listen and who they are. And Spotify at four in the afternoon on iPhone. It's crazy, but I see the, the numbers just take off. So that inspired me. To have the first conversation, the first guy I did this with was Tyson. Tyson yeah. yeah, and when I saw the response to that, it literally changed our demographic. It was so it was ridiculous because you know I was when I finished up doing rock in radio, I'd done it for you know a decade and a half, and I moved to a country format, doing a morning show with Jess, and I was targeting families, predominantly middle aged women. Right. Not mm-hmm. I, I won't say that. I will I will, I will say women twenty five to fifty four. Driving to school. Right. Moms. Yep. That's what they were like. That's More, the, you were the morning radio. That's the money demo. I'm gonna teach you how to do it. And that was a painstaking process for me, right? But I did learn. So when we transferred and we moved to podcasting, about eighty percent of our listening audience was women. And then 
you know, all the guys that followed from country and women as well, just they went away and they went back to whatever they were doing. But yeah. our community has grown and it's all people with mutual interests now. And guys feel like it's, if it's a machismo thing or what, I don't know, but they feel like it's not a, a conversation that they want to have with their buddies, or mostly because a lot of them are all drinking. Mm-hmm. And, it's not, and, they, and it's hard to have a serious conversation about it. And there's almost like a taboo shame attached to it. And I, I can't, you know, being, just being who I am and doing what I've done, I don't have a problem talking about anything. So this was, mm-hmm. not, this was not foreign to me. So when, but, but I did, and I can tell that they are listening and they are curious. And then some of the messages I get, and the number one is, man, I, 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 you know, listening, I, I want to go down that road. I want to stop drinking. I just don't even know the first step to take because it consumes so much of my life, my work, all of my friends, you know, whether if they're in a, a pool or a dart league or they're playing softball or they're out golfing, that's a lot of them. They were like, it's all we do when we golf is just drink, right? Mm-hmm. So they get stuck and they're like, I don't know how I would even manage this. And I'm like, well, you know what? You can. Mm-hmm. The first step is to stop. And then see where it goes from there. Yeah, there's a lot of different avenues. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, they don't realize it because like you and I talked about, there's this whole sector of society that is out there that if you drink on a regular basis, you don't even know they exist. Mm-hmm. They're there. True. Yeah, yeah they, you're they're, right. There's people that don't drink. They're there's, all over the place. There's art fairs. There's yeah. book Right. I mean, things, you know, there's, there's a just, lot of things. Just average people that don't, mm-hmm. they're not even, they're no different than anybody else. They they just don't drink alcohol. They put their dog out at 1030 right. at night on right. a Tuesday night. <laughs> or they're going to bed at 930 after putting their kids to bed because yeah. they're going to get up and go to the gym in the morning. That's they're going to go, they have to be at work at 7 and 730. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's, they don't understand that because, you know, if once you get locked into pigeonholed, into a group like that that's all you know yeah it's like it's like the mentality of you're either a drinker or you're not a drinker it's kind of like that you know isn't it weird yeah and they said and i was listening to a a sports medicine guy break it down a couple of weeks ago he said because of this movement of what's happening right now he said in 10 years from now you'll be able to walk out just take a stroll through any of your a shopping center on vacation or whatever, and you'll be able to look around you and see which path people have chose. I mean, the guys that are still drinking and the guys that have said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take better care of myself. I'm going to work out and I'm going to do these types of things. It's going to be that stark of a contrast. That makes sense. Yeah. It's he like, said, yeah, because this, this, what's happening with you and I, you and I are on the front end of this, right? True. But it is growing and it is going to be more of it, more and more of a thing. And it's because I just look around at my life and I'm like, a ton of my friends don't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you have a sober, you know, uh, what I guess what they'd say is you have a sober network. Yes. You, you, inadvertently, right? right? Right. You didn't, you know, I mean, and there's a lot of them that was, were in, they were in the thick of it with me when, when I was, you know, going back 20 years. And a lot of us are not here. We are. Look, we're all none of us drank. Mm-hmm. Well, so, we were at events together yes, and drank. Right. Tyson booked my band down at right. You know, drinking. There's you know. three of us right I mean, there yeah. that were all together doing all of the same things. Jess would be emceeing at event. Yes. You know, we you you two. You know, yeah, I remember 
drinking while I was, uh, and I didn't like it, but like uh, the Fire and Ice Ball, which is a fantastic fundraiser for the uh, Greater Mankato United Way here in, in our hometown. And uh, emceeing stuff like that, I never liked to drink because I just didn't feel like it was on my game, mm-hmm. right? I was, and, I've, and it was a flip for a lot of people where they would just consume alcohol and they were like, oh, it's going to make me relax yep. and, and, you know, and make me a little bit more of a social, well, well like a social lubricant, they call here's it. Here's the question. What are we, what are we really relaxing from? Yeah, I don't we know. We have choices. We don't have to go to things we don't want right. to, right? That, that's another thing. That's another thing. Uh, Jess and I both made that conscious decision. We don't decision. have to go to the football game if no. we don't want to. If you, and if there's a get together and it's just- You don't uh, have to go. You don't have to do it. And that includes family. If you don't want to do it, don't. You, but, could, you could just say no. You know, and that's the health and wellness thing too is boundaries, you know, yeah. which you talk about on the, you know, okay, no, I don't, I don't want to go over there for a, for a birthday party. I don't right. want to go to, to uh, the American Legion for so-and-so's 55th birthday. Right. You know, it's okay if you don't want to go, you don't go. Right. We don't need to be obligated to do things no. that, you know, aren't something that you really don't want to do to begin with, the right? The power of no. It's a big thing. It's it hard is. to do. I know. It's, it's hard a, to do. It's really hard for Jess, right? And and that was one Especially of the, when people pleasers. Yeah, she's... You know, I'm a people pleaser. Yep, so is she. And she's, and she's learned to embrace this because I've never had a problem. <laughs> just like, saying no. I'm a little bit more candid, right? And I'll be just like, no, that's a... That's not something I'm going to do. It doesn't sound fun to me. So mm-hmm. no, it's that simple. And then, and then it's over as abrupt as that is to an end of a conversation. You know, you, a half hour later, you're glad you did it. And she's yeah. learned that, right? It's just, you realize that, and you're not going to be missed as much as you'd like to believe. True. I and mean, that's and, just and, the fact. And then back to that, the FOMO thing, the drinking thing is fear of, that fear, fear of missing, of missing out, out. Yeah. you know? I'm going to miss this night at the Legion, or I'm going to miss this night at the bar, or I'm going to miss this night at Buster's, which Buster's is closed. Right. Uh, but, you know, I'm yeah. going to miss. Well, what are you really going to miss? Right. Nothing. Nothing. You know, it, it, it's incredible. You know, reality is, is, okay, I have a kid, you have kids. We have life. There's life to do, you know. I mean, I'm not, it, it just doesn't serve. No. You know? It serves no purpose. Not there really. is nothing, there is nothing in your life that alcohol will make better. That's a fact. It's, it is absolutely a fact. You just have to learn and be brave enough to embrace it without it. Mm-hmm. It's just it. I mean, there's, I mean, it's people to me that, that drink in excess. There's a, there's a deeper underlying issue than just wanting to have a good time. There's That's some, true. There is something there. Right. Well, my sponsor always says that drinking is a fear-based syndrome. I, I agree with that. You know, yep. he says that I, ha- my sponsor Gary, and he says I have a fear-based illness, and drinking was what I did to get rid of it. You know, and I, yeah. I look at that. Okay, that's what I did. And I got permission from Gary to talk about him. You know, sure. for anyone that's wondering. Um, but for me too, you know, it was a fear-based thing. I had a fear-based thing. So then drinking made that go away. And, but then the fear came back. Right. So then how do you move on from that? Right. right? Is your sponsor, is he a guy, does he live, is he local? Yeah. He's, he's here in Mankato. Is he a sponsor through AA? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's just a sponsor through AA. He's just a regular meeting attender. And I asked him to be my sponsor. Okay. Um, and you know, you work the 12 steps and, um, He's at meetings, you know. A lot. I love that. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, that's, he's an awesome person. Yeah, that's well, and that kind of support, mm-hmm. right? His brother owns the 
fitness gym over there, Fitness for 10. Sure. Um, but yeah, Gary's the coolest person in the world. Yeah, that, that's know? awesome. Is there anything that you've done? Because I tell people this, if you stop drinking, you're going to need to do something. You'll just want to find something to do to fill the time that you used to drink. And sometimes that's a substantial chunk of your time, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things that I've decided to do was I got a personal trainer and I start work, started working out on a regular basis. And I, and I enjoy that. And that is something that I do in my off time to just, well, not only better my body, but my mind as well. So that was just, that's one example. Is there anything that you do or something that you're doing more of now that you I, used to do in the past that helps fill the time? There's a lot of things that I've been able to do now. Uh, by stopping drinking, and that's allowing creativity to come back into my life, and and do artwork and, and painting and drawing, uh, most and also my woodworking business has gotten so much more busy just because I've been able to to work on stuff, yeah. you know, and um, honing in on this Elton John tribute show, you know, I would I never would have been able to do that drinking right. for one, it would be doing a disservice to Elton John to drink and do an Elton John tribute show. The guy's right. sober, right. There's a drunk Elton John. What are right. you trying to be Elton in the eighties or what? No. Um, so no, I've g- gained a considerable amount of time back. Um, I guess I even have time to read the news. You know, yeah. I, I read the news, which I used to not like to do. Now it's just like, well, it's not a bad thing to do. No, it's not. It's I'm, not. You know, I, I love the news. I, know, that's one of the things I've not been able to get away from. People say, you know, I think some people in psychology will say, well, turn off the news or something, you know, but I, I, to me, I've kind of found that, you know, sometimes I'll pick up the newspaper at the at the gas station or something, you know, just little things like that. I've definitely, I definitely have different interests now. I, I like to drink soda. I like to drink diet pop a lot, you know, which is probably not healthy for me, but it's better, it's better than, than alcohol, alcohol. <laughs> by a long shot. By a long shot. <laughs> right. Uh, there's a there's a guy that is always quoted at AA meetings, and he he said that sometimes life just doesn't get better than just a you know a cold can of diet coke. You know, this, right. is, this is as good as it can get. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, I I think the same thing. Uh, but yeah, I filled I filled my time with new things, but that's because the time was available and and allowed me to sit and. You know, I, I reworked up a whole bunch of piano music from, from my master's degree and an undergrad degree, you know, and yeah. just there's a lot there's a lot of things that can give you natural highs in life. You sure. Do, you know, um, you know, like you doing with your fitness, yeah. you know, I mean, that's a that's a natural high every day. You're putting those chemicals into your brain every single time that you do a workout. Right. It's like, wow. It is strange. Have, have you noticed uh, an improvement with your... Uh with your daughter and just the time that you spend with her? Well, she was born. She's only about I, three, right? No, she's, she's 17 months. Oh, so she's she, 17 yeah, months. So, so she's so really young. She's, yeah. she's really young, but she has a full head of hair. So yeah. she looks older. <laughs> she does. I was like, yeah. So, no, so, so no, I was actually sober the whole time that we've had her. Oh, that's and I was awesome. So, I was sober when, when I was, I was still drinking a little bit when, when my wife was pregnant with her. But other than that, you know, I haven't, ever had a drink around that's awesome so which is which is good yeah the the dog my dog lost a lot of weight though from me quitting (laughs) drinking because i would come home from the bar and (laughs) make a frozen pizza here's a piece of pizza you know he he would know right when i come home the garage door opens up sure in the morning oh time for some time for some after bar snacks pizza air fryer food 
the dog was like 29 pounds and now he's like to a normal weight, I, 22. Yeah, I, I have uh, to be fully transparent. Even though I don't drink at all, but I, I still on Fridays or Saturday nights, that's that's like my Achilles heel. I don't I do not know why, but I love just throwing a tombstone pizza. <laughs> just a frozen they're pizza. Great. They're they're, they're yeah. awesome. I didn't they're realize great. how good they were. They really but, are. Uh, yeah, it's just like the frozen pizzas are like my Achilles heel when it comes to staying fit. I'm like, I love them. They're so good. You know, <laughs> one thing, one other thing, you know, I've also enjoyed is candy. I Oh, so it, do it, I. Well, they say that's due to that dopamine rush, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it again at the Mayo Clinic talk about that. And uh, it's it's a real thing. Yeah. So it's like you know I have I'll have Jolly Rancher kicks here and there, or I'll you know right now I'm still finishing off my Reese's eggs oh, from yeah. the holiday oh, season, yeah. the Easter holiday season, and I always keep a fresh few bags of candy around. I just it's that's, it's, it's not the of, end of the world. It's kind of fun to have. It you is. Know? I mean, it's one of those things you rediscover. Yeah. Exactly. That's an ex- exactly. classic example exactly. of like one of those things that you rediscover. It's you. Want- how much joy do you get from that little bit of candy? Right. I mean, honestly, you know, or I, I bought Chips Ahoy at the grocery store the other day, you know, like, okay, these are kind of B team cookies. I'd rather get the bakery ones, you know, but I got the Chips Ahoy and it's like, gosh, these are 10 o'clock at night before I go to bed. I've this heard, is great. I've heard so many guys say that one of the great things they've rediscovered after sobering up is food because so often when they were drinking on a pretty steady basis they would avoid it because they didn't want to kill their buzz right true they would they would they would be out on the weekends or something and people would be talking about food they wouldn't want to eat because they said it would it would kill their buzz so they would just keep drinking and then wind up eating some something sloppy drunk late at night and a lot of it yeah and a lot of just crap crap food so they would not they they've rediscovered the love of really good food yeah and that's the that's the other really cool thing you know those spices and the flavors and yeah. even just on a, a chicken breast or right. something you know just the one of the other things is is that you know you you get rid of drinking once the drinking gets out of your life then you start accumulating all these good things okay so good yeah. food good friends sober network family happy people um creative outlets yeah oh. do i want to trade that pile of good things for going back to a bottle of beer right i mean you know that that's another thing my sponsor said you know it's like okay so all these good things keep piling up in your life after you quit drinking you you're a perfect example of it tyson all you know brady who you've had on your show you know i mean it's just look at all these good things that are coming you know from and it's just because you're not drinking basically and it takes it really does take time i one of the the best stories and i credit him with being an inspiration he didn't know it at the time but uh, a few years back, I was talking to uh, C.C. DeVille, who was the guitarist for a band from the 80s and 90s, Poison, right? If, yep. if you're not familiar. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, and I did have a chance to sit and just chat with him on a couple of different occasions. And I remember him telling me about him sobering up and how he started a cactus garden at his home in California. And his therapist told him that would be great because of the slow rate that they grow. And he would be out there tending that garden on a regular basis to make sure that they were taken care of and he wouldn't see any results that it would take years. Mm-hmm. And he said that that taught him patience as he was moving forward. And, uh, you know, he always talked about, you know, he was super famous, right? And mm-hmm. for any, 
he still is. He tours with the band, but he always felt like uh, that industry and being famous was this super inclusive or uh, exclusive group, I should say. And he was always, because of where he grew up and his life, he was more of an inclusive guy. And that was one of the things that he had to embrace uh, with sobriety and because he, he, he did drugs and drank to fit in with people he didn't really want to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Being someone who he's yeah, not. Yeah, it wasn't who he was. So it's, mm-hmm. it's just embracing who you are. I've talked to so many musicians that have said that, and it's great to sober up and find other creative people mm-hmm. to hang out with because that's very important. I mean, I knew I grew up in northern Minnesota in the 80s, and, man, there was not a ton of creative people <laughs> in the... In the, Iron Range, yeah, right? it was it was beyond way it north beyond of that, the yeah, Iron even though it's you know twenty miles south of the Canadian border, okay. very small town, uh, you know, and it was just there wasn't a lot of that. So the first time when I got to, you know, Southern California, and I met guys who wanted to do film and all of these other different things, and it was a such a great experience. And I am now later in my life after doing radio for thirty years, rediscovering that and connecting with guys who are creative who have that same mindset and it's your, your eyes open up and opportunity. I tell guys this all the time. I'm like, there's opportunity in front of you all the time that you're just, you can't see because the alcohol is blinding you, mm-hmm. right? It's there's there. There's so many things to oh, do. Oh God, the opportunity is just abounds. It, yeah. There, there's endless things. That oh you my do, God. Yeah. Especially with the internet and right. new creative ideas. Like what, you know, there's right. always something. Yeah, there's a lot. There's something to do, yeah, right? To right. come up with something new. I mean, even this space here is a is a creative. Well, Jess, a new creation. Yes, right? Jess would. <laughs> Jess is going to be happy to know that you liked her Moon Lounge. I yeah, I love the Moon Lounge. When she brought the idea, when she gave it that name, I'm like, are you are you serious? And she's like, yes, yes, it just fits the whole dynamic of what we're trying to accomplish here. The new beginnings. I like the black walls. Yeah, that that was kind it's of a, a nice, nice accent. <laughs> It was kind of a nice ass uh, offset look, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you notice all the of the, accents, the wood, the decor mm-hmm. and stuff is all stuff from that era. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a woman who wasn't born until 84. I'm like, <laughs> right. And so she's probably a little bit older than you. Mm-hmm. Right. But yep, I was born in 91. See, that's that makes me feel super old because I was in Southern California at that time. In 91. Yeah, not San Diego. I was just a little baby at <laughs> right. Well, literally, <laughs> literally, literally. Well, it was good chat with you, man. And in Thanks, conclusion, George. is there anything, any advice you would leave again for for an individual, what man or woman that has thought that perhaps they should maybe take a look at whether they drank too much? Yeah. Uh, to conclude, I would say, you know, I mean, if you're if you feel that. You know, your drinking is worse than from when you started. I think that it it should be something that you should look at. Um, I think that there's a lot of resources to help for people to be helped. You know, there's a lot of helpful resources to move on from drinking, which yeah. which I thought there wasn't. Which you know, it really was perhaps laziness on my part, right? And wanting to stay in the drinking. You know, you just have to be on guard and 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 think like, what do I want for my life? What do I want to be at a bar stool for the rest of my life? Because that's the reality, you know, at least for me, it was, I was going to be at a bar stool three or four nights a week for the rest of my life, probably more going forward if I didn't change something. Right. Um, 
and so beyond that, you know, I, I, I guess what I, what I come away with is a, there's a lot of hope, you know, I mean, yeah. there's hope we can hope to have a better life gets better, It does. which I didn't believe. I know. How dreary is that? I know. That's dreary. That's really dreary to think that I didn't think that life could get better. You know, I thought that I was going to be stuck in that sort of blase, you know, I, you know, I have to drink, you know, I have to go to the bar or, um, well, that's what's been pounded into our head for generations. True. Literally. It's true. I mean, this is, this is what we are living through. And again, you and I are on the front end of this, but we are living through a chain, a generational change. This is why guy, I mean, we don't, I mean, not to talk down about a lot of the, the generations beyond us because they did some incredible things, mm -hmm. but just because they drank regular like this doesn't make it right. True. And, and science tells us now <laughs> that it's really wrong. I science mean, tells us that it's, it's the really, wrong thing to it's do. It's really yeah, bad, yeah. For, it's bad you. for you. Yeah, it's super bad for you. So we know that now. But again, due to lobbying, you're mm -hmm. you're fighting the, one. Of, the I mean, big alcohol. Oh my God, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. that's just not. This isn't going to change. It's going to be available. There's mm -hmm. not even a question. But that doesn't mean that you have to consume it. That's true, right? You you it's it's all about choice. Mm -hmm. And I and I don't want people to feel shamed. I I, I you know if you. I always tell, say this, to be safe, if you believe that you may have a problem, the first person, if you don't know who to talk to, would be your doctor. Yep. And they're not going to judge you. They hear this all the, time. all the time. That's why when you go in and you lie on that little survey that they give you before you take your annual physical, and he asks, how much do you drink and how often? And you lie and you tell him that you only have maybe two drinks a week. That's that's why he does that. But so you can be completely transparent with him and say, you know what, I, I think I may have a drinking problem. And the first thing he'll do is direct you to people that can help Who you. Who can help? Right. That's yep. how I mean, Brady talked about the process, mm -hmm. and he was like, "That's that's awesome," and that's or, how you do it. Or you can call a treatment center. Yes. Or you, you show up at an or just show up at an AA meeting. I, say, I know that's hard to right. do, but if you're curious, right? If you're curious. Go go, yeah. go meet some yeah. go meet some people. Go meet some recovery people. Yeah. They're cool. Yeah, and anybody's welcome in those meetings, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. They're open. Most, I, most meetings are open. And if somebody wanted to find a meeting, how would they go about doing that? Uh, just Google Mankato AA. Really? Yeah. Okay. Or you can Google AA anywhere. In, in your city. Because in your city, again, yeah. with, with we're, we're, across, we're going across the country here. You know what I discovered recently with, this is going to blow your mind, and What's I didn't that? even know this until I started digging in, but... We have a, a good listening base here in, in southern Minnesota, but rapidly growing, and I mean rapidly, is New York City, Seattle, and Minneapolis are all about tied for two, and it's a big, wow. big chunk of people. So I'm, I'm wondering wow. what, 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 I don't know what it is. You know, we do hear from them occasionally, but. We have substantial downloads in New York City, Seattle, Boston as well. But those two, New York City, Seattle, and then Minneapolis, obviously, due to our location, location right. here, they're, that's a big, big but chunk. It's a big town, too. Big though. chunk of our listening audience. Yeah. And they can grow. A big, they, a they big will, city similar yeah, to those coastal. They will grow faster than anything else because of the size of them. Mm -hmm. And then word of mouth spreads. But 
it is, uh, it's, I would tell wherever you're located, you know, and if you want to look into that or, you know, and I, t- we talked about this as well. There's a lot of sober, what they call sober coaches, coaches. now, yep. and you can find them. They're all over social media. If you just get into whatever platform you're on and you dig, mm-hmm. you'll find them. I, I'm in a couple groups. I'm in the one that you're in with uh, Chris. Yeah. I'm also in the uh, Annie Grace Naked Mind. That, that's sure. a really good book um, for for quitting. That that's what I started with. Yeah. You know, I mean, th- those kind of paved the ways. You know, yeah. to get to where I was at. I just find that the, a lot of different recovery resources are good. Yeah. I think the more you have, the better. And I think that they're going. They're there's they're, a lot. Yeah. There's they're plentiful. And if you want to find one, it's very easy to do. Mm-hmm. But that, the, the, the one thing that is not easy is taking that first step. That's the right? hardest part. It is. It is. It's just, I, and I, I understand that. And I think guys, again, due to the way that we have been brainwashed into believing that that's not a very, you know, masculine thing to do. Yeah. To be able to, to be able to, say to yourself, I, I need to stop drinking mm-hmm. for, I don't, for the life of me, I can't wrap my head around why you wouldn't want to embrace that. Maybe it's a pride. I, I, don't, I don't know. Don't. I don't. Cause I'll tell you this. Uh, it's easy for you and I to sit and look because we see things clearly now, mm-hmm. but when you are there, it's, you don't see it. And it's, it's it, definitely harder to, Oh my God, embrace. it is. And it's sad to watch. And I know that you probably have experienced this as well, but I still have very good friends who I know struggle, but because they're in it too deep, they don't even recognize it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of, I, you know, it's kind of like the boiled frog. You don't, yes. you, you don't know what's happening to right. you. You know, I, that's how it felt for me. You know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. Okay. So eventually I thought it was normal to just go to the, okay, this right. is normal. This is what I do. This is, this is life. Right. right. Um, yeah, and then coming back to reality, like okay, n- no, not not that many people go to the bar on a Wednesday night and have twelve beers and shut her down and shut it down. <laughs> right, that's not a. I know, you know, and it, so if it was a normal thing, the place would be packed. Right, which it's not. It's not even most places aren't even packed on a Friday and a Saturday night. No. Right, no. I mean, if you look, at, there's certain places that get packed and the crowd moves. Yeah, for example, on downtown Mankato, but you know, I mean. You know, a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't go out and drink that much. Well, there's a whole. There, there, there's <laughs> Am a whole, I right or no, what, what do you think? You are. You, know, you are mean, right, and but you don't know I that. Mean, I guess I'm. You don't know that if you don't stop yourself. Yeah. Right, and that's what I said. There's this. It was weird for me to discover this whole side of society that lived life away from alcohol. <laughs> it's just strange because doing what I did. My occupation. It was involved. It was everything I did. There was always alcohol involved. Bud Light promotions or whatever. Yeah. yeah, It didn't matter who was promoting it. There there was booze somewhere. Yep. And it was attached. Or or Red Bull, right? The radio always. If we, if we had a meeting, there was booze. I mean, it didn't matter, right? A creative. And I'm like, everything was just alcohol. Booze oriented. So it was. To be able to step back away from that and realize there's so many creative guys out there and the best stuff is being done by them, by the way, and uh, that it, they're, they're there. I just didn't know it because mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I wasn't part of that group. Yeah. And then the, then the farther you get into the drinking 
crew, the more likely you're not going to be seeing those other people Ever. doing normal things. Right. You, know? you want to know why? Because when you're out drinking, they're doing something productive. They're doing something productive. Yeah, That's exactly is. right. That's exactly why. <laughs> well, I mean, and honestly, while you're just getting cranked up at about 1030 or 11 o'clock, they've been asleep for 30 or 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're going to be up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday. To and do they're gonna, a lot of good and things. They're going to enjoy the hell out of it. All mm-hmm. kinds of different things to do. The birds, the spring. Get up and feed the birds like I yeah. do. That's another thing that I've embraced. Yeah. My birds. <laughs> but and that's a cool thing. It's you know? so I funny. Mean, it's- I have to tell you the story. The, during the pandemic is when I started, right? I was like, because everybody built bird feeders. Yeah. Right? I was like, it was just a thing because you, you didn't have to be afraid of the birds. So I would go out there and then after a few months, uh, I would it, it, like during the winter, you know, you here in Minnesota, it could be 20, 30 below zero. I remember one morning it had been, I had went a day without feeding them and I had to, well, I had to go get bird seed and that was a pain in the ass to get anything during the pandemic, during the right? Pandemic. Yeah. So I finally, it just, as the light is starting to break, I wander out there on that morning in my robe, got my boots on and I'm trudging through the snow heading to the bird feeder, and I swear to God, they all began to serenade me. And I was like, I was like, I felt like I was, this is what what a Super Bowl champion feels like as he's as he's driving through the parade in downtown, whatever city he just won the tr- that Lombardi for. I This is what he feels like because awesome. the birds were going crazy and they wouldn't even wait for me to feel. They were like, they were on They're it. coming at they you. They were on it as soon as That's I, funny. And then as I just backed off and stood there and there was just this swarm. And so now every morning I appreciate it so much when I walk out there and I can hear them just go off when they know here it comes. Here comes the bird food. Here, here comes the bird man. So do they right? eat all the bird seed every day? Then? Well, what, what they don't eat, the reason I have to go out there every morning, what they don't eat, the deer come in and then there's some raccoons. These are like the, if there was animals that drank in the animal kingdom, it would be raccoons. That's funny. These guys are, and they're just the slimiest guys. They come in They'll here. They'll be on your bird Yeah, feeder. they tear everything apart, and they eat all the bird seed, and they just rip the cushions off the patio furniture, and they leave the place like they've been drinking all night. And like it, beer fest. Yes, yes. I'm convinced they probably, they got maybe they do have some, some maybe they've got like a keg or something in the ravine somewhere, because yeah. the raccoons are the drinkers of the animal kingdom. That's funny. It's the honest to God truth, they're, but they're just bonkers. That is fun. So that's why I have to go out there and refill them every morning. So, so it's I, sort of as a security thing. You're kind of the yeah. bouncer for the drink, the drunk right. raccoons, right? Well, I mean, I'll be out there in the evening in the summer, and they'll come right up to the screen on the screen porch and just like put their little paws up and like, what are you doing? They're not afraid of people. Wow. So I don't know what. When you have the nice woods here. So they all <laughs> live in the woods, don't they? The ravine, yeah. Yeah, the ravine here. So anyways, that's my bird, my, my, my bird feeder story. And that's why I'm out there every day because I, I try to put just enough in there to keep them going through the day. And then the deer and the raccoons will have a little bit at night to clean up. And then I have to just go out start, there and refill it. In the start morning. doing the morning. So they're looking for me every that make, morning. That makes sense. So even they're like, man, we're glad you stopped drinking. Because we can eat. Because <laughs> we can eat. <laughs> it's like funny. 5 36 a.m every single morning they're out there that guy's out there that's right awesome. <laughs> and that's why that, that that's one of the the ripple effect of the the benefits the birds even they're like oh god this is a great idea mm-hmm. right? that's right that's true <laughs> 
So, well, I appreciate you stopping by. And again, I I know what's going to happen. There's going to be a bunch of guys that are going to listen to this. And if I say this to every guy that comes in here, if you inspire one, one individual to at least take that first step, it wasn't it worth it. That's worth it. Yeah, it is. For sure. And I think there will be more than that. I honestly believe that because of the response that we get. Because of other people, that's how I stop. Right. You know, that's it's a domino it, effect. Yeah. This was, person stopped. I, I listened to them, you know. I was telling Jess that men are as every bit susceptible to like social media and the impression that it offers now as women are. They don't talk about it as much. But when I started to see guys embrace this sober curious movement and start working out and doing all these different things, I'm like, I want to try that because they look like they're that looks like it's a pretty good deal. Mm -hmm. And I like the way that that's heading. And uh, that was a big part of it for me. Well, it's doing something good. Right. It is. Right. Right. So I'm. I mean, hopefully, like you said, that domino effect, right? Mm -hmm. And hopefully somebody, this will encourage them and give them uh, the direction they need to go. I know, I know that they're, they're there. True. I mean, I can tell by the, the thousands of downloads. I'm like, I know, you, the I know you guys are listening, mm-hmm. right? And I know this is a safe spot. You can put your earbuds in and not tell anybody that you are listening. True. And uh, Take but, it from us. Yes, take it from us. We all start somewhere. So again, uh, I would encourage you, if you are thinking about it, a great first step is talking to your doctor or like uh, Garrett said, just stop in and, biz- and, and just check out a meeting. Go right? to a meeting. Talk to yeah, somebody. Talk to somebody. Find some recovery groups. Yeah. Support is going to be so important. Right? The opposite of addiction is community. Right. I love that. I love that. All right, Garrett, thanks for stopping by. Thank you, George.